Welcome to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by what you are about to hear. All right. Good morning. Good morning. I would be there tonight because I'm a college student, because I'm a lifetime learner. But I've got to catch a plane, so I'm sorry. (laughs) Hey, isn't this a great day to be in the house of the Lord? Yes. You know, I want us to just pray for our nation for a moment here. How many of you have been uh, in the military? You are veterans, any of you? Would you stand up real quick? Awesome. Awesome. Yes, yes, yes. Great. Praise the Lord. I have three sons that have been, uh, have served in the recent war. (laughs) And uh, combined, they've done seven tours over there, so... Grateful that they are alive and well. Amen. I want us to pray for our nation, and I want to pray in a certain way. I I don't want to, I don't like doing the same old thing all the time. If you know me well enough, you know that's just not my style. But I want to pray genuinely for there to be a, a spiritual awakening in our country. I believe prophetically, I've heard from several different sources prophetically that there's going to be a spiritual awakening around the world. It's going to happen right here. And so I want to be in agreement with that. Is that all right? So let's just pray for that, all right? Father, we lift up our country to you, Father God. We lift up the people of our nation, Heavenly Father. And, Lord, we rely upon you, Jesus, that you will orchestrate, create, initiate. Lord God, you will bring a spiritual awakening to our nation, that people of every Every tribe of every means of every background, Heavenly Father, will experience the power and the grace of Jesus Christ. In our lifetime, Lord, we desire to see an awakening. We speak forgiveness to our nation right now in Jesus' name that people will forgive. I speak repentance, Heavenly Father, as well. I speak, Lord, a spiritual awakening to to the people of our nation, Heavenly Father, that by your grace and by your mercy and by the power of the Holy Spirit, that our nation will come alive to Jesus and never be the same again. I ask it, Father, we agree in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right? Good. Well, I've been doing this little series called No Matter What. And so the scripture we've been using for No Matter What is really about the kingdom of God. God is kingdom-minded. He speaks from a kingdom narrative. He's called us and put his kingdom inside of us. And so look at this scripture from uh, let's take it, Timothy 4.2. And we're going to read this. Proclaim the word of God. Let's do it again. Proclaim the word of God and stand upon it no matter what. Let's do that again with a little more attitude, all right? Proclaim the word of God and stand upon it no matter what. Rise to the occasion and preach when it's convenient and when it's not. Preach in the full expression of the Holy Spirit. Let's say that again. Preach in the full expression of the Holy Spirit. Live in the full expression of the Holy Spirit. Say that. Live in the full expression of the Holy Spirit with wisdom and patience as you instruct and teach the people. Amen? Let's pray again. Father, thank you, Lord, for your anointing to receive and to hear and to listen and to be absorbed by your word. We want to absorb the word of God today, Father God. I ask you, Lord, to open up information and give us revelation. 
I ask you, Father God, to speak to our hearts, to every one of us, Heavenly Father. We come, Lord. We come, Heavenly Father, hungry for your word, open to your word, prepared to receive your word, expecting your word to change us. We choose to be changed in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. Well, you know that what God has begun in you, he's not finished yet. How many know God's not finished? How many are really, really aware God, surely he's not finished, right? Okay. So because what he begins in our life, he wants to complete it. And I want to go into an area here about prayer. And uh, I'm glad you could come late. (laughs) He's my friend. It's all right. (laughs) I want to really get into the Word of God and give you this message. Prayer is an important thing, but prayer is not uh, a list of to-do list to give to God. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is about the presence of God. Prayer is about getting to know God. Prayer is about really engaging with God and engaging with the Word of God. Prayer is not this thing that we go to a certain place and just pray. We pray all the time. We pray without ceasing. In fact, Jesus said, he said this, and it's in somewhere. If I can find my notes right here, I may have picked up the wrong notes. That's possible I did that. Uh, But he said, always pray and don't give up. Always pray and don't give up. Always pray and don't give up. Who wants you to give up? The devil. He wants you to give up. But don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Pray, but don't give up. I want to give you a message today beginning on the four postures of prayer. Okay? A posture is an attitude. It's a position that you take, you know. You've seen people that have that walk with an attitude, a posture, right? Okay. We're going to hit some of those today. Have you ever done that? Have you ever done that? Y'all look so pious. Just raise your hand. I know you have. Jay certainly has. So I want you to know that God loves you anyway. God is, listen, God is passionately invested in you becoming someone you could never become without his direction and intervention. Passionately invested in you. He invested Jesus in you. He invested his son in you. He invested the word in you. He sent the Holy Spirit to invest in you. God is invested in us. We just need to be as invested as he is. We need to invest in ourselves as he does. Bless your heart. Thank you. Oh, those look more familiar. I think I have three sets of notes. I wonder which one will follow here. But let's get in with this. Okay, the first thing, I'm going to give you all four postures, and we'll cover two of them today. First one, the posture of humility. Humility. The second one, the posture of delight. It's in your bulletin. You just have to fill in the blank. The word delight, I'm going to kind of break that open for you in a few minutes here, okay? Next time, I'm going to talk about the posture of fellowship, partnership with God. And the last one is the posture of expectations. You've seen expectations at Christmas time, haven't you, on kids? They're so excited because they're expecting. We should live in expectancy. And we should fellowship with the Lord and partner in what he's doing on the planet. And we should delight ourselves in the Lord. And I'll tell you what that means in a minute. But let's go back to humility. Humility is really, really important. Humility does not mean that you walk around with a long face going, you know, that's not humility. Let me give you the opposite of humility. When we look in the scriptures, in First Peter chapter 5, we find a couple of things there that I think are just very, very valuable. 
and it's this. He says in, in chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. The word says just before that, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, let's just break this down a few minutes here, okay? Humility, if I am, if I am anxious about something, that is the opposite of humility. Smile. Because God says to us, don't be anxious about anything. If I'm anxious about something, that means I'm worried about it, and I'm trying to manipulate it, and I'm trying to figure out how to fix it, and I'm just busy, 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 busy. None of you, but how many of you know people like that? And we get all caught up in anxiety and anger and fear. None of you. We're talking about people that are not here, so don't take this personally, for heaven's sakes. But when that happens... We become very proud because we think we can fix the situation. We think we're in charge. We think we could just rearrange everything and make everything work out just right. And we like to be in charge. How many of you like to be in charge? Just admit it. We do. We want to be the fixer. We want to fix things. We want to make everybody line up to our way of thinking. Amen? I mean, we've got our opinions. You know, everybody does. Opinions are like noses. Everybody's got one. Some have more than one opinion, however. But now here's what I want you to get. The Word of God says here that if you will humble yourself before the Lord, if you will do that, he will lift you up. And it says also in the same section of Scripture right here that if we humble ourselves, he gives us grace. Grace. Now, I want to give you a clarity on the word grace, and it's not unmerited favor. Okay, we're just going to push that aside. That's kind of old school, okay? I want to give you the Greek meaning of the word grace. Grace is God's divine influence on our heart. God's divine influence on our heart, our mind, will, and emotions, and its reflection in the life. Go back through that again, okay? You probably want to memorize this, write it down, do something. But the grace of God, when God gives grace... That grace is his divine influence on our heart, on our mind, our will and emotions, and how that's reflected in our life. So I have the grace to teach this word this morning. But I also have the grace to drive to to Chicago in a minute and jump on a plane and fly to Little Rock, Arkansas, and turn around and fly back on Wednesday morning. It's the grace that God gives us. God gives us grace to live. He gives us grace to change He gives us grace to understand, gives us grace to be hungry for more of God. God's grace is his divine influence on our mind, will, and emotions, and how that is reflected in our walk, in our life. Amen? That good? Anxiety is the opposite. Worry is the opposite. Anxiety steals the peace of God from us. The devil loves to keep us stirred up and be anxious about different things. He is good at doing that, and we are too good at letting him. But if we will humble ourselves before the Lord, you know, and let God write our story, if we'll let God turn the page on our chapter and begin a new chapter in our life, if we'll let God show us the way he sees things that are going on in our lives, everything begins to shift And we begin to have the grace of God to work a difficult job. We begin to have the grace of God to walk through a pandemic. 
But if we're angry and just wish everything would just go back like it used to be, I'm just so tired of this. That is anxiety. And God does not honor anxiety. And I'll prove it to you in Scripture in just a minute. But if we humble ourselves in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of unfamiliar, in the middle of what's not normal, if we will humble ourselves before the Lord, his influence on our heart, in our mind, will, and emotion, will that, that influence, his divine influence on our heart in the middle of a crisis, will walk out that grace that he gives us in our life in the middle of a pandemic. Many times God uproots us from what's familiar and puts us in a place of the unfamiliar to grow us into who we need to be in our next moment in life. God is passionately invested in us. He is kingdom-minded. He speaks from a kingdom narrative because God is moving upon this earth to redeem mankind. Jesus said, I didn't come to judge people. I came that people might find life, that they might receive the way of life, Jesus, all right? So if we are part of the body of Christ, we have to be kingdom-minded. And what gets our mind off the kingdom is anxiety and worry and fear and all that stuff. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when we go to God in prayer and we go angry at God, you know, so we go to God and we go, you don't, do you know what's going on down here? Like God doesn't know that? Hello? I get amazed at prayers that waste a lot of time going, Lord, I'm just going through a really difficult time. You know, I had a flat tire on both cars and I, I can't pay the rent. And like God is not aware of that. Of course he's aware of that. Does he care about all that? Yes, he cares about whatever matters to you. Big question. Do you care about what matters to him? Because the anxiety of this generation that we're living in, the time frame that we're living where everybody slams everybody and everybody's got an opinion about everybody is counterproductive to the advancement of the kingdom of God. And we must not get sucked into that. Okay? So the grace of God is his divine influence on our heart and his reflection in our walk with the Lord. We humble ourselves before him and he lifts us up. God is a lifter. He will lift you even before the trouble goes away. In the midst of it, when we humble ourselves, God lifts, it, lifts us up. So we go to God in prayer for direction. We go to God in prayer for answers. We go to God in prayer because we've got problems. We want provision. We've got all kinds of things we go to God in prayer for, and I understand that. But I want to drop a little truth to you. I learned this years ago in a book by David Wilkerson. David Wilkerson started Teen Challenge. It started in his office when he kept walking around the desk of his office at a Look magazine that had a picture of a bunch of gang people in New York City. And as he walked around it, it kept, he kept coming back to that photo because the will of God grows on you. And by the time the will of God grew on David Wilkerson enough, he left that place where he was in Pennsylvania and went to New York City and started Teen Challenge and the rest is all history. But it began in a moment when God hinted toward him and that direction that he began to, to yield into that and lean into that, that's how that ministry came into being. So I'm trying to tell you the will of God grows on you. Years ago when I was in the Air Force, I was, uh, worked in the chapel. So I was an administrator in the chapel. 
And uh, I did productions in the chapel. So when I got saved, the year before I went in the military, God got a hold of me. I surrendered everything to God. I humbled my whole life. I said, I am done. You take over. Whatever you want to do with this life, you do it. And God began to do it. And so in the military, I had been reading the Word of God. I began to envision the Word of God. I would think if God, if they could see what I'm reading, they would believe it. That was a hint. It was the will of God beginning to grow into my life. And so in the military, I began to do big productions in the chapel. And the last one that I did, uh, a, a local high school drama teacher was there, and I asked her what she thought. And she said, well, it wasn't professional. And I've told you this before, but I'm going to tell you the rest of the story. Because when she said that, I just thought, Attitude, mm-hmm. posture of, I'm a Christian. I don't need to go to a secular, you know. And then God got on my case. Have you ever had God get on your case? And so the will of God began to grow on me, and I thought, okay, I will go somewhere, and I'll be professionally trained in theater. So I have a Master of Fine Arts in theater. That's what was, would end up happening. But here's how it happened. Right after that, I was sent to... San Antonio, Texas, for 90 days on a temporary duty assignment. And during that time, I went to the education office of the Air Force there in Lackland Air Force Base. And I asked them, where is the best place to go for a GI to use the GI Bill to go to college? And they told me of a college I had never heard of, William Carey College in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Well, I knew I didn't want to live in Mississippi because it is hot. I mean, you don't know hot till you live in Mississippi, and it's humid, and you don't know humid until you live in Mississippi. I did not want to live there. I go back to my main base in Dover, Delaware, Dover Air Force Base in Delaware, go back to the chapel. We have a new chaplain there. He has three children that went to William Carey College in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And two of them majored in drama. Obviously, that was God leading me. Do you get that? But the will of God grows on you. That's what I want you to see. And so as we humble ourselves before the Lord, the door opens for him to begin to sow into us direction and provision, words of encouragement, whatever we're going to need in the future. He begins to lay the stonework, the pathway for us to go. There's a scripture in Proverbs 16.3 that says, if you commit your work to the Lord, he will establish your thinking. If you commit your problem to the Lord, if you'll commit your work to the Lord, if you'll commit your opportunity to the Lord, he will establish your thoughts. You'll begin to think a certain way. And so from San Antonio, when God gave me that information at the education office of William Carey College, that began to be established in my head. And by the time I got back to my main base and there was that chaplain with those children that had gone, his three kids had gone there. Do you understand that had grown in me till I knew that is where I'm supposed to go? Had never been there, didn't know anything about it, but I knew that's where God was going to take me. I didn't have to know all the answers. Shake your heads up and down. Sometimes we think we have to know all the answers. Well, God wants me to go over here and talk to so-and-so, but I don't know what he wants me to talk to. So we, we want all the information, and God wants us just to take a step. So the will of, will of God grows on us, but we have to humble ourselves for that to happen. Now, I want to share a quick story with you from the Scripture. It's in Luke chapter 10. It's the story of Mary and Martha. 
And this is the day that Jesus comes to town, and they invite him in for a meal. Do you remember this little story? It's only this long. It's in Luke chapter 10, the last few verses of that chapter. Mary and Martha. So here comes Jesus and the 12 disciples and all the other people that are traveling with him because they're becoming quite a group. And Martha says, come on in. So Martha invites them all into the house, and Mary and Martha are right there. And you know what? Jesus begins to teach. Well, that's who he is. He's a teacher, okay? So he begins to teach them. And Mary kneels down in front of Jesus, and she's just soaking it up. She is listening like crazy. She is humble before him. She has humbled herself before him to learn what he is teaching. And we know that when we humble ourselves, God gives us grace. And so the divine influence on her heart and the way she would walk began to happen in that moment. But she has a sister named Martha. And Martha, Martha is not a happy camper because Martha is getting lunch for all these people ready. And she is ticked off. How many of you have ever been ticked off? Because somebody wasn't helping her. Mary was not helping her. Martha's racing around, getting things done, cleaning up this, doing that, all this. She's just in an uproar. She is so busy. She's so freaked out about all this. She's got so much going on. And Mary is just listening to Jesus. But Martha is going to confront this, and she's going to come at Jesus. Can you imagine? So she comes at Jesus. Let me just give you the, the, uh, the words here that I think are so... So cool and what really happens here because she comes at him and she begins to just kind of lay into him and say things to him because, you see, what she wanted to see happen is she wanted Jesus to get as upset as she was. That's how anxious people are. When we get anxious and we get angry about something, we want everybody else to get as angry and upset about it as we are. Jesus said, you are cumbered. With a lot of things, King James, cumbered. That's the root word for cucumber. No, it's not. Cumbered. That means to drag around, to drag all around. So Martha, she is a man all around. She's got all of her anxiety. She's just upset about everything. Nothing's working out. She is a mess. She is in an uproar. She is a mess. And she comes to Jesus. Do you not care that Mary is not helping me? And Jesus does not take on her uproar. When you go to Jesus and you're in an uproar, thank God he will not get into your uproar. When you're all ticked off and beside yourself and you come to Jesus with what you are upset about, he doesn't take up your offense. My wife and I years ago decided we would not take up each other's offense. If, if Joanne, this is my wife right there, if she gets offended, I do not get offended with her. Because if I do, I can't help her. And if, you know, and vice versa. We just don't do that. Jesus doesn't take up the uproar. In fact, he says, Mary has chosen the most needful thing. Mary has chosen the most needful thing. But Martha, you are just distracted by all kinds of things. You're not paying any attention. What's happening in your house, you're missing it. Sometimes what God wants to do in our house, we're not paying attention to. Because we're so anxious about things that are going on around us. This is, this is, do you know someone that needs this? I know you don't. But I want you to know that anxiety is like pride. When I'm anxious, I think I can take care of this. I'll get all upset about this thing. 
And I began to drag all around with all my anxiety. And I began to come against people that aren't anxious, that aren't, aren't upset. Because I want everybody to get upset. Because I'm upset. Get on my team and be upset. And that's so ungodly. Because God wants to give you grace. His divine influence on the heart. And that's going to be reflected in your life. Posture number two. And I've got to hurry because I have four minutes. Are you ready? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37. Delight. The word delight means to be soft and pliable. So this is clay dough. It's very hard clay dough. (laughs) But if I would work it a little bit, it would get softer, wouldn't it? It's kind of like taking God takes a hard heart, and he begins to put into it the grace, the grace of God, the peace of God, the joy of the Lord, because he wants to take that hardness and he wants to turn it into a soft, pliable heart. The word delight means to be soft and pliable. When I delight myself in the Lord, I become soft and pliable. In other words, God can do in me what he wants to do in me. Amen? And so, Matt, you get to make that into a heart. Good catch. Because God wants our heart to be soft and pliable. And so I need to have that kind of a posture. Amen? I need to have that kind of posture. And as I go through life, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I don't know what this flight's going to bring. I have no idea what's about to go on in my life. We don't know tomorrow, you know. We don't know all the answers for tomorrow. We think we do, but, the, but life seems to throw us a curve occasionally. Some of us know that more than one time, right? So I want to encourage you right now to understand that wherever you are, in your job, in the pandemic, in your neighborhood, in among your friendships, all those things in your church, everything, I want to challenge you to have a posture in prayer of humility and to be soft and pliable before God. Because God knows what you need in the future. He knows who he created you to be. You are so complex because God didn't make you simple. God made you full of complexities because you're made in the image of God Almighty. And so there's so much more inside of you than you have ever experienced or discovered yet. And God wants you to tap into that. Well, how is that going to happen? If we come before the Lord and we humble ourselves before him. And we make our heart, our mind, will, and emotions soft and pliable. That's what he will do. Now, I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. I want you to think of the first time that you really humbled yourself before God. When was that time that you really humbled yourself before the Lord? You just shut your entire life down, and you gave everything over to him, and you humbled yourself before him. For me, that's when I gave my life to Jesus and made him Lord of my life. 19 years old, finally figured out he needed to be Lord of my life. I turned off my life. I quit my life. I gave it to him, and he took it by the grace of God. I want you to think about that moment for just a moment, that moment of humility. And let me ask you a question. Has life got you in an uproar? Has life got you into anxiety? Has life led you in the wrong direction? Because God says, I give grace to the humble. God wants to lift us up 
above the uproar. And he knows how to do that. You may be here this morning with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, and you've never given your life to Jesus. I'm telling you, you don't have to live a life of anxiety. You don't have to live a life of chaos. Because God knows how to redeem your life through Jesus Christ. And whether you're praying this prayer for a number of times or the first time, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to do that today, I'm going to lead you in a powerful prayer. It's so powerful that it will change your life because Jesus will come into your heart. Grace and truth came to the earth through Jesus Christ. He brought grace to the planet. And when you pray this prayer to receive Jesus, everything will begin to change on the inside of you. Because God is passionately invested in you becoming someone you could never become without his direction and his intervention. You need Jesus on the inside. So pray this prayer with me, if you would, all of us. Let's just pray it out loud. Father God, let's do it again louder. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name. We lay down our anxiety, our old way of thinking. We choose not to lean to our own understanding. Jesus, be Lord of our lives. We believe in our heart. Jesus, that you died for us. We believe in our heart that you arose from the dead so we could have life. And we invite you to be Lord of our life. And we receive you. In Jesus' name, amen. Every eye closed, every head bowed. If you prayed that for the first time, would you just kind of throw your hand up at me just for a second so I can see? Thank you. Okay. Now everybody look up for a moment. See, God knows how. God knows how to take a hard heart and to change our heart into the heart of Jesus. He knows how to change us from the inside out. No matter what's happening in your life, Jesus needs to be at the center of our lives. Because soft and pliable, it gets hard. We just give our hearts back to Him. And He can make us soft and pliable, useful, open to the things that God desires to do in our life. What he's begun, he's able to finish it. And it's all by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I encourage you to pray this week with an open heart, humble before the Lord, soft and pliable, and allow God to do whatever he wants to do. The Bible says, don't lean to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. If this is my understanding and I'm leaning on it, I'm probably not leaning into the things that Jesus has for us. This will not support me forever. I need Jesus as the Lord of my life. Amen. Did you get something out of it this morning? Was this all right? Okay. Good, good, good. God bless you. Um, Frank is going to come and dismiss us by our rose and etc. But I love you. I look forward to seeing you next week and I'll be talking about the posture of fellowship.
partnership with Jesus and what that really looks like. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. If you would like prayer or have questions about Hope Church, please visit myhopechurch.com.